Welcome to the Apple Store Kurfürstendamm in Berlin. Please welcome our guest moderator, Andreas Kluge. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very glad that uh, despite the beautiful weather outside, so many people made their way here to the Apple Store at the Kurfürstendamm. And I think we, we will face a very special event tonight. We have uh, two parts of the event. The first one is a meeting and a talk with uh, performer and composer Max Richter. And then afterwards, we will have the presentation of a very new and absolutely spectacular app Uh, in the field of classical music. But first of all, let's have a little introduction by a video clip. So please give a warm welcome to Max Richter. Hello, Max. Thank you very much for coming tonight to the Apple Store and sure. to the. And I think let's go into into detail now. I think is electronic music part of today's uh, normal education at conservatory and university, or is it just a special part you have to uh, do individually if you do studies in music? Well, uh, I think um, to some extent the boundaries between uh, traditional music education and electronic music have broken down. Our music language is very diverse now. Um, as composers, obviously we're dealing with notes, uh, notes in whatever uh, form we can get our hands on them, uh, whether that's traditional instrumentation or whether that is uh, electronic uh, manipulation or electronic instruments, the computer. Mm. These things all flow together. Our musical culture is joining up. Oh. So you're doing, uh, on the one hand, some non-electronic music, as for instance, the, uh, some pieces for Hilary Hahn, as for instance, the, the violinist on her album in 24 piece, uh, 27 pieces. Sure. And you do the electronic music things as the recomposed Vivaldi project. Um, is there any big difference between tackling those two ways of composition? Um, for me, not. Um, I mean, I've always um, had an interest uh, very broadly. Uh, obviously, my initial training is in, you know, classical music. Um, 
uh, right now I'm writing a, an orchestral ballet. I did an opera a couple of years ago. And, you know, this is very much part of what I do mm -hmm. and uh, central to what I do. On the other hand, uh, as composers have always done, I'm looking for new tools, new ways of speaking. Mm. Um, you know, the composers uh, drove the uh, expansion of the orchestra, the extension of the piano, mm. keyboard, new instrumentation, new colors. We're always looking for that. So, um, so this is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 they're one and the same. They flow together in my world. Ah, okay. Um, and you recompose the Four Seasons by Vivaldi mm -hmm. um, in an electronic way. Have you ever thought, did you ever think about uh, recomposing it in a non-electronic way? Or was it just from the very beginning onwards exactly, this is the way I want to do it? Well, um, it is electronic and it's also not electronic. Um, uh, in a way, it's a, uh, I take the analogy of a remix. Uh, it's a remix uh, using all those uh, sculptural processes that remixers can bring to audio material in the computer, time stretching, looping, cutting and pasting, recontextualizing. But I did all of those things on paper, so mm -hmm. moving the actual notes around, manipulating that material in a kind of sculptural way. Um, and a lot of that is played by the acoustic instruments. Mm -hmm. uh, there is also uh, post-production in the record, and there's also live electronics in the record. Um, but those, these things, are, they fuse together into this, uh, this kind of hybrid language. Uh, so yes, it is electronic music, but it's also acoustic music. Um, it's difficult to talk about it exactly, <laughs> to pinpoint where these things cross over. But that's the language. Yeah. But meaning that, uh, but saying that you have used a score, you prepared a score for that. Mm -hmm. means, that means that uh, also other ensembles, other people can use this and uh, replay this. Uh, Absolutely. This yeah, it's a repertoire work now. Mm. But it's good. Yeah. Okay. As a, there is a document start to finish, a score start to finish, mm. uh, of the of, of recomposed. Yeah. And will the the new works we are just about to compose? Is this again the same style, doing some recomposing or doing something totally new? Uh, no, uh, recomposed for me was an experiment, um, and it was it came out of a sort of emotional response to the Vivaldi original. Mm -hmm. It's a very special case for me. Um, I fell in love with the uh, Vivaldi original when I was a child. Um, and was enchanted by this beautiful music. Um, but then over the years, you know, I heard it a lot in contexts which didn't make sense to me, you know, ringtones, elevators, <laughs> shopping centers. <laughs> and I, and I, I fell out of love. And, I, and for me, that was a loss, you know, because on the one hand, I could understand still uh, intellectually as a musician that this was great material, mm. but I kind of hated it. So um, for me, this is an emotional response to try and rediscover the piece. Mm. It's like, um, you know, if you make the same drive through a beautiful landscape every day mm. to your office, you don't see the landscape after a while. Mm. And this was my problem. So I've taken a detour through this landscape, tried to find a new way through it uh, to try and rediscover it. And what was, what, what was exactly the turning point for the hating part to the real loving part of the piece? Well, when I, uh, funnily enough, you know, like all of us, you know, I do hear it from time to time walking around, probably most days, honestly, you know, I'll be hearing, I'll hear some little thing. And um, recently I was watching the television or something and, and I saw uh, a sequence of you know, Venice, la la la, and of course <laughs> there it is. And, um, and I thought, well, that's wonderful music. And it, it, I was enchanted again, you know, yeah. uh, having gone through this process. Uh, so, yes, I, I've sort of fallen back in love with it, and um, I'm very pleased about that. 
I think recomposing as uh, a technique of composition is mm. nothing particularly new to the world of music because I know from former times that, for instance, composers, uh, composers of the Baroque period, they used it in a way sure. of a so-called uh, parody style, as, sure. for instance, Handel, Bach, mm. and all those kinds. Mm. And uh, later, the... the uh, Belcanto composed, as for instance, mm. Rossini, Bellini, Donizetti, mm. they used it in a different way. Yeah. Um, but what is the main difference between this, kind, this way of uh, parody style and the recomposing of nowadays? Well, um, uh, I mean, first of all, we should say that, you know, referring to other existing music is, I mean, certainly a thousand years old in Western art music. It's almost some of the first recorded bits of music are commentaries on other mm. music. Um, and I think that's a very natural human instinct, you know, as musicians. We are, we are musicians because we love pre-existing music. You know, that's natural. Um, and I think you find that all over our culture. And of course, uh, within music history, you know, Vivaldi you know, recomposed, as we could use this word now, uh, his own music, other people's music, as did Bach, as did probably every composer since then, actually. Um, more recent examples are, for example, uh, Stravinsky's recomp recompositions, mm. uh, Pulcinella, or, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know? so, so this is a, a process which uh, is very central to music tradition. We're using the word recomposed. Um, it, it, it comes uh, from a pre-existing series, which DG had, uh, called Recomposed, where they'd invited um, people to remix uh, original uh, uh, mm. recordings. Mm. So, so that's where that particular uh, word for this process comes from. Yeah. And uh, was Vivaldi from the very beginning onwards the chosen composer or did you think about different composers to mm. recompose? And if so, what, f what, ma what made you choose finally uh, the Vivaldi yeah. piece? Well, uh, I mean, the, the thing is for me is that uh, I don't really have that same emotional uh, feeling about any other work. Um, because the thing is, the Vivaldi it just is everywhere. It's everywhere, you know? And, and probably hardly another work is as, as much played and, and just around in our world. Uh, so really, that was the emotional uh, sort of starting point for me. Um, I haven't felt that way about anything else. So really, it was the Vivaldi or nothing for me. Yeah. Ah, okay. mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and has this a one-off project now, or will there be some kind of uh, come on some more projects? Son, son of Recomposed. <laughs> uh, no, um, for me, uh, you know, it was a unique case. Uh, it's a unique situation, uh, my relationship with that original text. Uh, I felt very strongly about it, and I, I wanted to try and reclaim my sort of original sense of enchantment with it, uh, which uh, yeah, fortunately for me I succeeded and, and I'm very happy that I, you know, I'm now a sort of able to have a kind of a fresh response to the original mm -hmm. um, and also explore it in a new way for myself by sort of working through this text. So uh, for me it's, it's been a very satisfying process, um, but it's, it's kind of unique for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And did you learn anything new for you, particularly new, about the piece while recomposing it? Absolutely, yes. Uh, when you get very close to another composer's text like that, you start to kind of feel the way they're thinking mm -hmm. and the way they navigate harmony and structure and gram musical grammar. And it was actually interesting to, to really get down to, on the note level to think about it. 
because I'm, I'm not a violinist, mm. so I don't have that really tactile connection to it. Mm. Uh, more of a sort of conceptual one as a composer. And it was actually very interesting to sort of really get down to the atomic text mm -hmm. level and experience his way of thinking through the harmony. And it was great, actually. Would you recommend people to listen first to the original verse and then to the recomposed version or the other way around? I mean, I think probably most people have heard the original without whether they know it or not. In elevators. Or In elevators okay. or wherever, yeah. They will, they will say, oh, it's that. You know, even if they don't know they've heard, they, they don't know Vivaldi Four Seasons, they'll go, oh, that thing. Yes, I know that. Yeah. And they, they probably will know at least ch good chunks of it, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yes, I mean, the new, the new work is a, is a dialogue with the old one. Yeah. And I think in a way, the fact that we all know the old one so well, it sort of makes it more fun to, to hear the new one because you, you sort of have a sense of how these two works speak to one another. Yeah. And I think that's, that's interesting. I think. Is it difficult to perform this live? Um, it's... Um, Again, I'm not a violinist. Yeah. Um, it's all about the solo. Um, the, orchestra, the orchestral part and the violin part are possibly a bit more challenging mm -hmm. the than the original. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of sort of uh, Hendrix-style fiddling. <laughs> um, but it's not, it's not crazy. It's, it's all w within Vivaldi's universe, more or less. Mm -hmm. And now, please welcome Rupert Wagg, manager of digital music from Deutsche Grammophon to the stage. And he will give the presentation of the new Vivaldi app. Hi. Thanks, Andreas. Um, I'm delighted to come here and uh, give a few minutes, a presentation of a few minutes of our app. It's an app that Deutsche Grammophon has made with our partner, TouchPress. TouchPress, of course, is the renowned UK app producer who specializes in cultural and educational apps. So imagine for a moment we are back in the CD era. This app is an ordinary traditional concept album, the concept Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Here's the cover. On the left, we have Trevor Pinnock's recording on original instruments with his English concert ensemble from 1981. And on the right, we have Max Richter's Recomposed with Daniel Hope as soloist. Below, we have an ordinary CD booklet text explaining the concept. And the digital guy, that's me, he can go and do something else, he can go home. Not a bit of it. The iPad app format is a dream for companies like Deutsche Grammophon and TouchPress to join the revolutionizing of the presentation of music playback and explanation into an experience that, with multimedia, is both visual and interactive. So let's move to the story section now. So text is still the backbone of this section, but we've enriched it with musical audio excerpts and, as you can see, video commentary. The lady that you see there is Susie Klein. She is a BBC classical music um, presenter from the UK and she is our spokesperson for the original, the Vivaldi's Four Seasons original in this app. And Max Richter very kindly became the spokesperson for Recomposed. 
They are ably supported by two further DG artists, namely Avi Avital, a mandolin player with much experience of Vivaldi, and of course, Daniel Hope, the soloist in Recomposed, who also has a great deal of experience of Vivaldi's Four Seasons, having played it all his life. So let's dive in and hear and relish some of the infectious charisma of Susie Klein as she explains Vivaldi, the composer. I think Vivaldi is a stunningly modern composer. I think given that we've made these kind of four seasons some kind of sugary confection, they're somehow packed up in history and they belong there and they are the olden days of music. They're absolutely not. They are using some of the most contemporary compositional processes there are. So Vivaldi will take tiny fragmentary ideas, little tiny cells of melodic or harmonic material, and he plays around with them in a way that absolutely a contemporary composer would. So he loops them, he turns them backwards, he turns them upside down. Um, I thought she was talking about Max Richter there for a moment. <laughs> Let's go and see what she, say, what, what she says now about Max Richter, uh, not Max Richter, of course, about Vivaldi the man. Vivaldi as a man is an interesting one because we know virtually nothing. But we do know a great deal of conjecture. And her infectious um, comments carrying on, her charismatic comments carrying on now tell us about the anecdotal evidence behind that conjecture, but we don't have time for it. And I want to take you on now to the most important section of the story, which is the two analyses of the two works. So first of all, um, let's hear Susie Klein talk about the movement that I've chosen to, as, as an exemplary movement, the Winter Two. The second movement of Winter is the schadenfreude moment. This is where you're sitting inside, you're very nicely warm, and you're very pleased that everybody else outside is sitting in the rain. It's not enough to be warm and dry, you have to know everybody else is stuck out there in the rain. And he does this gorgeous thing, which is, it's not the kind of rain we heard earlier, it's not violent, aggressive rain. It's the rain that runs down the roof and drips off the guttering. And he does it with these little pizzicato plucked moments in the strings. It's, again, a very simple device, but it sounds more like rain dripping off a gutter than anything else you could ever imagine. It's absolutely brilliantly realised through the simplest musical means. So let's hear a little bit of that music. Now let's go to the recomposed and hear Max Richter talk about the same movement. Winter two, um, again, um, it's you know, ice coldness. Um, so for me, that's you know that sort of harmonic sound uh, in the the strings. It's a very um, it's a very evocative sound of kind of space coldness. Um, I think Daniel talks about this, how this is like being beamed up by aliens, this one. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. For me, this is a kind of an open, flat, white expanse. Um, that's the sort of sonic image. And it's the melody is completely the original Vivaldi. But I've sort of stretched it out and made, an, made it sort of um, sort of live in this sort of this kind of open white space for me. Now, before we hear a little bit of Recompose, let's just remind ourselves of the original. OK, 
Okay, now we can move back to recomposed. So when the user has made his way through this section, he is now prepared to move to the two full playback sections. And that's where we're going now. It's a bit cold in winter. Let's change, let's change to a bit warmer climate to autumn um, and the third movement with Trevor Pinnock's original. Right, well, everything you can see here is synchronized to music playback. Now, I'll start at the bottom. The, first of all, we have the score, which is courtesy of Schott Music Group, their label Eulenborg. That's the label that produces these wonderful yellow pocket scores that we all knew from being students. And um, above that, then, we have uh, the choice of either the sonnets, the relevant line from the sonnet, or the relevant part of a running analytical commentary. And above that, we have Touch Press's revolutionary beat map. Now, this beat map does several things. It says how many instruments, which instruments, where are they seated in relation to each other, and above all, when are they playing? And you get that by their pulsing in time to the music, indeed in time to their own particular performance in the music. Now, a word here on the Basso Continua group. Um, they're at the bottom line of the score. And this is a lovely Baroque tradition where these musicians are allowed to decide themselves who's going to play tonight. It may have had something to do with availability, but nowadays they, and they have the ability to say not only who's playing tonight, but also who is playing when. And that's why in the score there is no differentiation, there is no markings as to which instrument should play when, they decide themselves. Now Trevor Pinnock, in this recording, uh, decided on six instruments. He, there, obviously he's there himself at the harpsichord leading the entire ensemble, but there's then two cellos, there's the precursor of the double bass called a violone, uh, we're in period instruments here. Um, we have an organ which is about the size of an upright piano, a little bit smaller, and we have a, a single person playing two instruments. This is, they're from the so-called English lute family, and they're lutes, but they're gigantic, they're oversized, they're larger than a human being standing up. And um, I want you now to, um, to listen out for them. When we let the music now carry on playing, listen out for the sound, that the plucking pre-guitar sound that they make, as opposed to the other instruments, especially the harpsichord in the basso continuo line. Okay, let's move on now to Max Richter's Recomposed and see that. 
So autumn three. Okay, so we have again the rolling score, the synchronized score at the bottom, and there are a few more lines this time. The score is courtesy of Mute Song. Then above that, we again have the beat map, but this time the beat map has an added functionality. If I can ask Alan to place his finger on Daniel Hope, then you can hear this instrument, Daniel, above the rest of the ensemble. And then if he moves across, sliding across to the violins and then onto the cellos, and at the same time brings the score up from the bottom to see the specific in instrument that he is looking the cellos, that he is concentrating on. Then you have the combination of the two as a powerful way to not only listen to your favorite instrument, but to see what it is playing at the same moment. And then finally, what I've been hiding for, this, for the moment, video. We were able, as part of uh, the filming, to have our own shoot for the app. Um, and we were able to ask the, the cameraman to not move so that you, the user, have the ability to be in total control of the video as it comes through and you place it which one you want at the top. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rupert. I have just two questions to ask you. I think it was exactly one year ago in May 2013 when we presented the revolutionary Beethoven app, also by TouchPress, here, which became one of the most successful um, classical app of all times. Among others, the BBC 2014 Music Award, uh, App Award, and another very, just have to look at it, I didn't recognize 2013 Creative Communication RPS Music Award. And uh, now today we presented the Vivaldi app. Could you explain the main differences between the two apps in sure. a very, some words? Well, the, the two differences you may have noticed immediately, if you already know the Beethoven app, uh, and they are more on the functional level, which we just showed in Recomposed. What we didn't have in the Beethoven, so it's a development, is that uh, we, we didn't have this placing your finger on an instrument and being able to bring that instrument up above the rest of the ensemble, and we didn't have the multi-channel video. In the Beethoven, we had a video by Leonard Bernstein, um, but it was an edit from way back when, I think 1979. Now, but that's not the main difference. The main difference was in the concept. We broadened the concept for four seasons. You know, we had in the Beethoven four, in, four interpretations by four different conductors um, and their orchestras and their soloists. And I see those as, you know, four different points on a circle and from these different perspectives looking into the center at an object, which is Beethoven's ninth in this case, and the, they have their different perspectives, but it's the same object each time. With the Four Seasons, we have two objects. We have the, the original, and we have Max Richter's Recomposed, and they're both works of art in their own right, and they complement each other. They run in parallel with each other. It doesn't matter which one you start with, because if you see it in the sense that 
leaving aside the fact that the Valdi um, owns the material, much of the material, the original material, the figures, the motifs, and the melodies. Look at it in the sense of, what did Vivaldi do it 350 years ago? What did Max Richter do with it in the, in the current era? And so it doesn't matter where you start, whether you start with Max Richter and see, okay, from there, now I know what Vivaldi did, or, the, or vice versa. So I think this complementary of two different pieces of art, but sharing the same original material, was a, a very great difference and a very exciting one. This makes us very curious about the next project to come, which, which features will be then addition to this kind of uh, presentation. But I think let me ask one more, more provocative question. Do you think that one day in the future, all releases of the Deutsche Grammophon label will become, uh, the, in a way, of an app? No. And yes. <laughs> I'll start with no first. Um, no in the sense that we've already developed the app from the Beethoven 9 to the Four Seasons. Um, and who knows where we will be in two or three apps' time. Yes in the sense that I think that those areas of the app, the functionalities that you've seen today that are successful, that we see from the statistics that people enjoy and use, they will make their way into the future app products. But I also don't think that the app is going to be the way alone that people will consume classical music, will listen to classical music uh, in the future, because it's about a number of different platforms. There's radio, there's PC, there's smartphones, and there's tablets. And we're going to need to, and already are, developing formats for each of these. And I think what is in the app, the successful parts of the app, we'll take those and see which we can bring into which device And it's not only about the device, it's about the operating system on those devices because um, they have different capabilities and the iPad app simply can do a great deal more than Android at the moment. So um, that's where we are and we're looking forward to the future. This is a very ceremonial answer, to be honest, and I think it's very good for the albums of the conservative CD album lovers as well as for the digital music uh, lovers. I think it's a very very interesting conclusion of this talk. Thank you very much to Max Richter. Thank you very much to Rupert. I think you now feel free to ask your questions. I think we have microphones in the hall that will, whenever you raise your hands, I will... Oh, that's one. Uh, dear Max, I can understand... I, I like it very much, you know. Thank you. Uh, I can understand your feelings when you dived into the notes of Vivaldi. I know this process myself, thank you. It's really great, and it's still up. But how do you feel about uh, the sometimes very harsh comments on the internet? Um, uh, I mean, the, the sort of flippant answer is I, I wouldn't be doing my job unless I was getting those comments. Um, <laughs> but uh, more seriously, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, music isn't a dictatorship. There are a million ways to enjoy it. Um, this was a personal project for me, um, and I did it out of a feeling of affection for the original piece um, and a way to reconnect with it on a personal level. I, I can't take responsibility for whether people like it or not, and some people do like it and some people don't. So. Other questions? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to ask about the app and whether it works also on a MacBook or does it work only on an iPad? 
Well, very interestingly, what Apple announced in the last couple of days at the conference this week was the fact that they would like their Macs to work more closely with their operating systems on the mobile devices. And that's the reason that because they don't work so closely together for the moment that we haven't yet, but it, we haven't yet got uh, taken the step to make this app work on, 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 Mac, on Mac computers, no. But... Uh, TouchPress have made one or two of their apps for Mac. I think the Elements is also um, uh, for MacBooks. So we know how to do it, or the partnership, Deutsche Grammophon TouchPress knows how to do it, and uh, when we feel there's good enough reason, and when it's easier, we'll definitely do it. <laughs> okay, then thank you again very much. Rupert White, Max Thank you very much.